You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. myself. This is the last week of our series on the Apostles' Creed. Can you believe it? Man, I know. Well, the good thing is that uh, it's not going anywhere, right? The Apostle Creed, it's not going anywhere. And you even have a better understanding of it um, as we've gone through it, right? We've, we've spent the last few weeks together going line by line, section by section through the Creed, um, looking at what really are the, um, the structural walls of our faith. Like a house that has uh, important load-bearing walls, where if you take those walls away, the house comes crumbling down. And in these, I believe, statements that if we took them away, then our faith would come falling to the ground. They're that important. And we've seen over the, the weeks how important each of these statements really are and how they all work together to form an incredible tool for evangelism, education, discipleship and unity within uh, the church, the body of believers. The creed is a tool that, that is also uh, used as a bulwark uh, security gate, so to speak, against lies and heresies that attempt to undermine our faith and, and deceive and distract people from what's true. And this is a creed that has been remembered and recited uh, for almost 2,000 years uh, by other followers of Jesus um, who've been professing the Lord as, or Jesus as Lord for, for so long. And so the creed, it acts as this rich anchor to the past. Um, and because of all of this, I think it's appropriate for us to, to view the Apostles' Creed as a gift. It's a gift to us. And not some gift that you receive on Christmas Day, and then a few weeks or months later, um, it's found somewhere in your house in the corner collecting dust, having been forgotten, right? Let's be honest, we're all probably going to receive some Christmas gifts this year, and if we're honest, then many of those gifts are going to break, right? Many of those gifts are gonna, uh, we're going to grow out of, because we're getting skinnier, not bigger, because we're getting skinnier, um, they're going to grow out of fashion uh, just in a few years' time. If you receive any kind of electronic device or gadget for Christmas this year, then obsolescence is built into it, and it will be practically useless in just a couple years. right? Or, or, or how about this, okay? Um, go ahead and ask me what I got for Christmas five years ago. Go ahead. I don't remember. I don't remember. 
Okay, how about this? Ask me what I got three years ago. I don't remember. I don't remember. Right? And chances are, neither do you. Right? Yes, giving and receiving gifts is one of the joys we experience during Christmas. Um, but all earthly gifts have a shelf life. All earthly gifts can only offer momentary and temporary happiness and pleasure. But the Apostles' Creed, it's a gift that we can go back to time and time again. It's a gift that remains useful throughout the ages. Uh, it's a gift that we can look at 50 years from now and hold it up to our holy scriptures, and it's still true because it's rooted in the truth of scripture. Um, Right? And what I love about the Apostles' Creed is that it ends not with a whimper, uh, but with a bang. It doesn't end anticlimactically, but with hope and assurance. It ends talking about another gift that we as followers of Jesus will receive that it calls everlasting and that the Bible calls everlasting. How many of you, while you were doing your Christmas shopping this year, tried to find something that would last? Something that will keep your kids entertained for at least five minutes, if not more. Now, you may have found some things that will last for a while, but you probably didn't find anything that is everlasting. Right? They don't even make Twinkies anymore. So those are not, maybe you know that reference. Okay, anyways. Um, well, as followers of Jesus, he has a gift for us. That is everlasting. Or as the, part, the last part of the creed says, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. The title of today's message is the everlasting gift. Would you just pray with me before we continue in our message? God, thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for the gifts that you pour out upon us. There are so many, um, so many blessings. And I just pray that right now before we continue, you would just remind us of, of the blessings that you bestowed upon each one of us. From the small to the big, I, I pray that we wouldn't take any of them for granted. I pray that we would see you as the good father who gives good and perfect gifts. I pray that we would be reminded um, that you love us, you care for us. And you don't care just for our souls, but you care for our bodies, our life right here on earth. And we pray that you would lead us and guide us by your word, your truth this morning. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, well, before we go on, I heard that Argentina just won the World Cup, right? Anybody rooting for Argentina? Yeah, a handful. Anybody rooting for France? No? Okay, all right. Never mind. Let's move on. There's one rooting for France? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that it ended that way for you. Um, right, the World Cup is over, um, but we're talking about the everlasting gift of everlasting life. Um, this is one of the primary reasons that Jesus came to earth and why we celebrate the Christmas season. He, he came to give us everlasting life. Or, or as Lindsay and Vanessa kind of went over with our, our Advent, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life or everlasting life. This is Christianity 101, right? Even non-believers know this verse and, and can, can recite it. Eternity with Jesus is our final destination. The great Christian hope is that Jesus went into the grave so that we can one day come out 
of ours into everlasting life with him. What a gift, right? But, but we can't talk about life everlasting. We can't talk about the resurrection of the body without also talking about death. Um, now, I know that this isn't probably the, the week before Christmas kind of message or thing that we want to talk about, right? Death is not something that inspires Christmas cheer that wasn't on the list of Buddy the Elves, you know, things, right? And the sad fact is that many people this year, and including myself, will be celebrating Christmas without a loved one because they've passed away because of death. Right? And the reason why death brings about so much sorrow, even for, for people who don't hold any kind of faith, is because deep down inside, we know that death is wrong. Everybody knows that. Right? When we know that death was never meant to be our portion. When God created us from the dust, he didn't plan for us to, to return to it one day. We were originally created for life and life everlasting but the wages and the curse of sin is death. And what we find in the Bible is that that dust or the dirt of the ground is often a symbol for death. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, this is after um, man and woman fall, uh, God says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it, you are taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. This is a result of sin entering the world. And, and when we bury someone we love in the ground after death, we refer to their grave as what? The final resting place. It's often seen as an end. And especially for those who don't know Jesus and his promises, there is no hope or assurance in death. But for Christians... For followers of Jesus, because of Jesus, we are able to have a different perspective of death, aren't we? Right? Because not only did Jesus provide salvation for our souls, which we're all thankful for, but he also provided salvation for our physical bodies. Right? And, and while dust and dirt is a symbol of death, the dirt can also be where new life springs from. Right? And graves really do turn into gardens when we believe in God and his son Jesus. Or, or the, the scripture, the passage that that song comes from is Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel 37 verses 12 through 14 where he prophesied. It says, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Graves turn into gardens with God. Or as the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 26, verse 19, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, there it is again, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Or as Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 and 43, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, right, put into the ground, talking about our earthly bodies, it is perishable. 
but what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. And because of Jesus and for those who follow him, yes, death begins with sorrow, but it ends with hope. Right? In our perspective of the grave, it shouldn't be as our final resting place. Our gravestone shouldn't read R.I.P., rest in peace, but it should read R.I.P., raised in power, like we just read in Corinthians. Right? Raised in power. We really can view graves as gardens. Because one day at the command of Jesus, the graves of all of his believers are going to burst open and all of his people will come out alive, resurrected with everlasting life. And because of Jesus, we truly can declare and sing 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Everlasting life is an incredible gift. And so, yes, when we die, our souls will live on and immediately be with Jesus. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is far better. Right? But we will not just simply remain uh, souls floating around in heaven for all of eternity. As we've just read in several passages, one day Jesus is going to return. He's going to give the command and our souls of all believers will be reunited with new and resurrected bodies that will live for eternity. And we will spend the rest of eternity living with, working with, eating and drinking with, partying with Jesus. Right? When Jesus returns, uh, it starts with the most amazing party of all parties. A wedding banquet. And then eternity just keeps getting better and better from that moment on. Can you believe that? Right? Eternal life is an amazing gift. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm sure you've heard of that phrase before. But have you ever received a gift that keeps on giving? Right? Maybe you've gotten something for Christmas that you really enjoyed. And, and in the moment, you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then a week or so down the line, you find out that it has other uses too. Oh, I can use it for that. And I can use it for that. It's the, the gift that keeps on giving. Well, the gift of everlasting life isn't just for later. It's not something that we just hope for when we, we die. It's also for now too. Right? The gift of everlasting life is the gift that keeps on giving because it impacts the way we live today and tomorrow and the next, God willing. And so, yes, everlasting life is an incredible gift that we will one day experience, but it's layered with these other gifts that we can experience today. And so the, the first sub-gift, so to speak, if you're taking notes, um, that comes from everlasting life is hope. Can we all just say that word right now? Hope. Come on. Hope, right? We need hope in this world, don't we? Yes, Sometimes, though, when we say we hope for something, we actually mean we wish for something, which has a, a hint of uncertainty to it, doesn't it? But hope is rooted in confidence, a firm belief that what we desire or has been said will come to pass. And our hope, especially for eternal life, it doesn't come from human promises, which we know people can't always keep. Our hope comes from God's promises, which he, he promises and always keeps. He's always been faithful to keep his promises. 
And if he's been faithful to keep his promises in the past, then do we have any reason to believe that he won't keep his promises in the future? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he, God, who promised it, is faithful. And, and I don't know about you, but, but I have confident hope that I will see my loved ones and friends who believed in Jesus but have died. I'm going to see them again because we have the promise of God for everlasting life and the resurrection of the dead. And not only do we have the promise, but we have Jesus, who the Bible says is the first fruits of the resurrection. Right? And if you remember from my message just, uh, I believe it was three weeks ago, uh, the resurrection of Jesus is really hard to disprove. Right? A lot of people have tried to disprove it or prove that it's wrong, but it's really hard to disprove. And if Jesus has the power to raise himself up from the dead, then surely he has the power to raise us up from the dead too. The resurrection and everlasting life, these aren't wishes. They are our confident hope because they're promised to us by God who always keeps his promises. And so we have the gift of everlasting life. And from that, we have the gift of hope. And then from hope springs forth a multitude of other gifts for us to benefit from right here, right now in this life, right? One of them is endurance. If you're taking notes, everybody say endurance. I've said it before that hope is not an escapist mentality. Hope is an endurance mentality. Hope enables us to endure because we know the outcome. We know the outcome. The reason people like me Endure the pain of getting tattoos is because I know the pain won't last forever. It will come to an end. And if I stick with it, and if the artist is as good as they say they are, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, then I'll end up with this sick, sick tattoo, right? Um, the, the reason so many women want to have children, despite the <laughs> terrible pain and, and suffering they have to go through, isn't because of the pain and suffering. It's because they know it will come to an end, and the result is this beautiful life they get, that they get to raise and nurture and love unconditionally. Right? The, the pain and discomfort are bearable when you know the outcome. And life is often full of all kinds of pains and sufferings. Right? And our pain and suffering in life, I'm sorry, it, it doesn't go away when we become followers of Jesus. And if any pastor has ever told you that, I'm sorry they've misled you. That, that's just not true. Right? For many, it, it even becomes worse. Right? And this shouldn't be surprising to us either because Jesus, he said that if we are to follow him, then we must be willing to pick up what? Our own cross, which we learned from our series, was this tool for terrible pain and torture. Right? We must be willing to pick up our own cross and follow him and suffer like he did. And endurance through life's pain and suffering is easier when we know the outcome. When we know we have the gift of everlasting life. Uh, when Paul's spiritual son, Timothy, when he was going through hardship and pain in his life, Paul wrote to him saying in 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12, right, he said, the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, him being Jesus, we will also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. 
Or, or later in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul also says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Right? And that eternal weight of glory is everlasting life and resurrected bodies with Jesus. If you know the outcome, a person can withstand anything. Right? Hope gives us endurance. And from the hope of everlasting life, we also receive the gift of purpose. Everybody say purpose. My wife, she loves it when she finds awesome deals and bargains and coupons. Anybody else relate to my wife? Anyone else like that? Right? Um, gangas is what she calls them. Gangas, right? Uh, but, but when a deal or, or coupon expires, you think there was a death in our family um, because she gets very sad and even goes into mourning. It's a sad day for her. Um, but when she finds a deal, she tries to, to take advantage of it before it expires, obviously, but she also doesn't keep it to herself. She likes to let other people know that there's this amazing deal. Maybe you have received an email or a text message or a DM from my wife letting you know about some kind of deal, right? She's, she doesn't want to just experience the, the ganga on her own. She wants others to benefit from it too. And listen, as followers of Jesus, we've received the greatest ganga in the cosmos. There isn't one better, right? And if we know, if we know that by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can receive the gift of everlasting life, we should want others to be in on the deal too. And that is our purpose, right? Our purpose in life is in spreading the ganga or the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to trademark that. It's the ganga of Jesus from this point on, right? It's our purpose to spread the ganga of Jesus to the end of the earth. Our purpose is, is to do everything we can to get as many people in on the deal as possible before it expires. Because there is an expiration date. And the morning upon that expiration will be so much worse. Right, Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book is your name written in the book, verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, there it is again, shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and listen to this, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That is our purpose. Right, to turn as many to righteousness as we can. Because we know that everlasting life is possible through Jesus, we should want others to know and turn to him too. Amen? And lastly, when we have the gift of hope, because we have the gift of everlasting life, we also have the gift of priorities. Everybody say priorities. Right, we have the gift of knowing what's really and truly important in life. And I don't think it's, it's too much of a stretch to call having priorities a gift because we live in a world where there are people wasting so much time and energy and effort and money on things that shouldn't be a priority for them. 
right? They've got their priorities all mixed and backwards. And so to know how to prioritize properly is a gift. And the Bible authors encourage us in more ways than one to make sure we have our priorities straight. Although I think Jesus said it the best in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like we've talked about previously in this series, every believer in Jesus will enter into eternity with him. Right? But how we live on earth until then determines how we live in eternity with him. Right? When Jesus returns, he will return with rewards and even more uh, blessings and, and different kinds of rewards depending on the work we did for him while here on earth. And we will then have the opportunity to lay down those rewards at the feet of Jesus in a way to honor him. And so the greater reward that we have, the greater honor that we get to bestow upon Jesus. And for yourself, think for a moment, what kind of honor will you give Jesus in the afterlife? Right? And so knowing that not only will we have everlasting life, but that our everlasting life can be leveled up, so to speak, uh, means that, that we can get our priorities straight. Right? We can devote our time, money, and energy on things that truly matter and have eternal value. Again, in, in 1 Corinthians, verse 15, Paul says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Right? He's saying, what's the point of living godly lives on earth? What's the point of trying to make a difference for the kingdom if it doesn't change the outcome? If we're still just going to die and wither away. Right? And in the, his second letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 10, Paul says this, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so when it comes to death, and when we think about death, listen, do you perceive death as leaving home or going home? Do you perceive death as leaving home or going home? I think that ultimately depends on your priorities and where you store your treasures. Right, the person who devotes their life to the things of this world, they fear death because it means leaving it and all of their efforts behind. But the person who devotes their life to the things of heaven, they have no fear of death because it means stepping into the heavenly riches they've worked toward and experiencing, with, experiencing them with their king for all of eternity. Right, listen, when your priorities are in order, then then. Things like going to church with your family on Sundays, it has greater meaning, right? Church is no longer a chore, but it's a treasure because your priorities are in order. Getting to know your neighbors and sharing the love and hope of Christ with them becomes a greater priority than simply trying to satisfy your own comforts and desires. 
Tithing, supporting missionaries, giving to those in need, it seems more important than how your 401k or the stock markets are doing. When we have the gift of hope because you have the gift of everlasting life, it really helps you to sort out your priorities and determine what's truly important in this life and ultimately in the afterlife. And so to end, if, if I can sum up everything that we've talked about this morning just in a concise way, I would do so with a question. And the question is, what is your hope producing in your life? Just take a moment to, to think about that. What do you hope on? What do you hope for? And what is your hope producing in your life? Because every single one of us has hope. Every single one of us. Right? Our confidence, we, we place it in something or someone. We all have hope, but who or what that hope is in, that's the real question. And wherever we put our hope, that's going to have an effect on the way that we live. Right? So what is your hope producing in your life? Is what you're putting your hope in producing the endurance to get through the pains and sufferings that we all experience in life? Does your hope produce purpose, meaning, direction for you? Does your hope help you sort out your priorities so you're, you're spending your energy, your resources on what truly matters in life and will have a lasting effect? Listen, if, if there's any uncertainty in any of these, then I argue you don't have hope. Okay, you, you have wishes, you have dreams, you have desires that might or might not come true, right? And that's at best, but you don't have hope. Not the kind of hope that produces confidence and assurance. Or at the worst, you've placed your hope, your confidence in things that will ultimately fail you. And then you've wasted so much time and energy and effort. Okay, but the good news, the gospel, the ganga, is that there is a better hope that produces better fruit in your life and ultimately leads to the resurrection of the body and everlasting life. Right? That's good news. Or as it says in, in John 17, verse 3, he, he te Jesus tells us what eternal life is. He says, this is eternal life, that they, you, know God the Father and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Right? The gift of everlasting life, it doesn't start when our bodies go to sleep and our souls go to be with Jesus. The gift of everlasting life starts right here, right now, in knowing who God is and knowing who his son Jesus is. Right? He is our ultimate hope. He is our source of eternal life. And so if you know him, then all of the gifts that we've talked about today are made available to you, which I believe produces much better fruit in your life. And so maybe you do already know God. Maybe you've already made that confession and you're living for Jesus right now. But maybe you've also lost sight of him as your hope. I think every single one of us at some point in our lives, sometimes we, we lose our focus. Who's been there before? Sometimes we lose our, our hope. Right? I mean, especially during Christmas. Christmas time is often when we have to make sure we're placing our hope in the right places and the right things, and the right people. Because it's easy to get caught up in the lights, and the music, and the food, and the gifts of Christmas, which all of those things are, are good, and they bring happiness for a season. 
But if our hope is in that alone, right, then when Christmas is over, we're left with those post-Christmas blues, those post-holiday blues. Okay, but the invitation for all of us is still the same. Right? The invitation is to still continue knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. Right? The invitation is to reorient or, or reposition our thoughts and devotion on knowing him as our hope, our source of eternal life. Or again, I think Jesus said it the best, and we'll end with this verse. Right? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Amen? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And we do that just so that you can enter into a time of of reflection where you're not distracted by things going on. But whatever posture you need to take right now, just to reflect, would you do that for me? And would you think on that question one more time? What is your hope producing in your life? Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.